if you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have. Turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. I want to read to you some pretty traditional verses for a day such as today. Uh, I've had in mind for quite a while what I was going to preach today, uh, what it was I felt like the Lord wanted me to do and, and bring about today. Um, I, I know that so often I typically, I feel like anyways, that my sermons typically, I am preaching and I bring to you a passage of scripture. I try to uh, explain what the passage of scripture means and then, and then apply it to, to your life and my life, to our lives, right? In other words, how this affects us, how we should, res- how we should respond to the scripture given uh, what we now know about it. That's kind of the... I guess you could say the formula of how my sermons usually go, I think. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you today, this one's a little bit different than that. The proper response to this one today is worship. I just want to talk to you this morning about Jesus and just tell you a little bit about him this morning. So let's read uh, about the birth of Christ in Luke chapter 2. I want to begin at verse 1. And then uh, we'll read through for a little while, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Uh, Verse 1 begins and says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was to be, excuse me, for he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning, thanking you for the good day and the many blessings. Thanking you, Lord, for each one who's come our way here this morning. Thanking you, Lord, for the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to be able to openly celebrate 
the birth of Christ, to be able to openly gather and worship together without any kind of fear of persecution or retribution whatsoever. And we know, Lord, that that is not a freedom that so many in the world enjoy, but we're blessed because we do enjoy it. And Lord, we, and, and we thank you for each one who is fought and who has bled and who has sacrificed and who has died so that we would have this freedom. But we know that ultimately it's a gift from you. So we give you all of the praise and all of the glory. And Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this morning, I just pray, Lord, that you would move in our midst in a mighty way. Lord, I have no idea what it is that you intend to accomplish in each heart here this morning. But Lord, I know that your will will be done. And so, Lord, we just trust in you. And, Lord, I'm just asking right now, Lord, that you would just move by your sweet Holy Spirit here in our midst. Lord, we just invite your presence. We welcome your presence here this morning. And, Lord, we just ask that you'd move in our midst. God, that you'd have our, your way in each one of our hearts and minds. God, that you would do what only you can do here. Lord, that you would, that, that you would mend the brokenhearted. Lord, that you would lift us up. God, that you would encourage us. Lord, that you'd give us the healing touch that we stand in need of. Lord, if there's any that are lost and undone, any that have strayed, any that have backslidden, whatever it might be, God. Oh, Lord, let your will be done here this morning. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. And God, let me ask one more thing for myself. I need your help here this morning. God, I can't preach a lick unless you give it to me. I got nothing to say. Nothing, nothing worth saying anyways, unless you give it to me. And so God, I'm asking that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. That you'd place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say here this morning. And Lord, my prayer is that it would flow, Lord. Lord, from you, through my spirit to theirs. Lord, they'd recognize it's just one lost man pleading with another. Oh God, I'm asking for your anointing, your holy unction here this morning. Have your way and your will. Touch each one. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory because we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I want to look this morning at, I think the probably proper term would be the person of the incarnation. Uh, when, we, when we say something like person, uh, we just think of, oh, you know, that's a person, an individual, a human. Uh, but what I mean here when I say the person, I mean the personhood, who they are, right? The person of the incarnation. The incarnation is one of those I, I refer to as a Bible word. In other words, if it wasn't for uh, the studying the scripture, if it wasn't for uh, uh, the Bible, I wouldn't have a clue of what it is. It's not a word that I would ever use. It's not a word that would mean anything to me. But it's important to the scripture. It's important to who Jesus is, so it's important uh, uh, for us to understand. And so that's what I want to talk about here this morning is the person 
of the incarnation. And so I, I've read to you some of the traditional verses having to do with the birth of Christ. I've mentioned to you, I preached out of Matthew last week, and, and I mentioned to you then, and I mentioned it to you again this morning, that from, in Matthew uh, we have Joseph's perspective, things told from his perspective of the birth of Christ. From Luke we have things from Mary's perspective. And, and between the two, we get a better, more full view, right? I, I think I use the analogy. It's like seeing things out of two eyes instead of just one. And so anyways, as we look at this and we focus on the person of Christ, well, let me just go back and read verse 11 again, because that's where this really comes out of. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, which is Christ the Lord. What does that mean? Uh, I, I, the first place my mind is drawn to is in Matthew's gospel in chapter 16. Uh, there is a place there where Jesus asks his disciples a question concerning his person. Right? Remember I said I want to talk about the person of the incarnation. Right? Jesus' personhood. Who he actually is. And so Jesus asks the question uh, of his disciples concerning his person. And Peter is the one that gave what is one of the most quoted uh, probably statements in the Bible having to do with this, right? So if you'll remember, they're in the area of, of Caesarea uh, Philippi, right? And Jesus asked his disciples, right, what he said was, is whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, right? So they as a group respond. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets anyways. But you remember his response to this, or his next response? Whom say ye? Remember, ye is, is plural, you all, right? So who do you all say that I am, right? So he asked them the question who he was. They respond, right, by telling him what people say, what other people are saying, the rumors that are flying around, right? And then he asked them, and, and they give him the list, right? John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, you know. I mean, some had to have been thinking Enoch and things like that too. And, and, but anyways... Then he asked the pointed question, who do you all say that I am? And it's Simon Peter that blurts out a very profound statement. And we talked about how, how, how rarely somebody recognized through the scripture in our Bible study and proclaims, as a matter of fact, it had been uh, previous to this time period, it had just been demons who truly recognized who he was. But here it is, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is a lot loaded in that statement. Thou art the Christ, right? Christ means the anointed one. Right? But he says, Thou art the Christ. Not a Christ. Right? Not a anointed one. Right? There were many anointed men, both in the Old Testament times and in the New Testament times. Right? But this verse right here is a reference to the anointed one. 
one of a kind, the very Son of God. And as I think about that, and I think about the time of year and what it is that's going on right now. Right? This is Christmas Eve. This is when we, the, the whole world turns and focuses on this day. Right? We, we, we've come to the point in our society, because we're politically correct and we don't want to leave anybody out or upset anybody or, 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 or as it was said, who Donna said it this morning, right? We don't want to share truth with people. So as a society, we don't say Merry Christmas, right? Because the first part of that word, Christmas, Christ, right? It's literally Christ Mass, right? A, a Christ a service where we celebrate the birth of Christ. We say Happy Holidays. And I'm not getting on to you for saying happy holidays or whatever, but I'm just saying there's so many that do that, right? Trying to be all-inclusive, right? This has been a time, right? I've been saying this for a few weeks now. I've been kind of building to this point here. I've been saying this for a few weeks. This is the central most point in history, as in all of history, right? As a church, we tend to put more focus on Easter. And I understand why we do that, because Easter we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, right? And there's a lot of hope in that, because when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, right, we understand, we see his empty tomb, and we know because his tomb is empty, glory to God, hallelujah, one day our tomb will be empty too, and that's something to be excited about, and we do get excited about it. It's a time of celebration, right? Resurrection Sunday, glory to God, it's exciting, and if I'm not careful, I'll take off and preach an Easter sermon on you. But actually, the resurrection is not the greatest event in all of history. The incarnation, the birth of Christ, God manifest in the flesh. When we really look at it and understand what it means and what it is, see, the resurrection is the confirmation. It's not the incarnation. It's not God entering into the world, right, in order to, in order to live and, and, and die for our sins. The incarnation is that. The resurrection is the confirmation that Jesus wasn't a lunatic, that he wasn't just another man, but he was literally God manifest in the flesh. And that his sacrifice, his atonement for our sins, right? So that we can offer the forgiveness for our sins, right? The price that he paid on Calvary's cross, that it was accepted. The resurrection is the evidence of that. And his resurrection is the first fruits of the resurrection that's, that's going to come. And so let me get to the point I've been trying to hit. I guess this is the third week in a row now. Is this. The central most point, I mean, think about our years. We count forward and backwards from the birth of Christ, right? Everything is literally pointing to the birth of Christ. B.C. literally stands for, it does not stand for before common, and add an E on there, before common air, right? It's the B.C. stands for before Christ, right? And then after that, A.D. is the, for the Latin phrase, meaning in the year of our Lord. Everything. We're literally counting the years since the incarnation of Christ. The central point, the greatest event in all of history, 
or lest it will be, or it is, until, until he returns. Until he enters into time again, into history, right? Until the moment comes when the archangel... Michael, Gabriel, I don't know which one. But anyways, whenever, they, whenever he opens his mouth and he blows the trump of God and he calls your name and my name. Well, if your name's written in Lamb's Book of Life anyways. We are celebrating. That's what, and people get so caught up, so stuck and caught up, Christians now. I, I, I know so many Christians, and I've been down this road myself where we literally ruin this time of year for us because we buy all the garbage that we hear all these different places, all these different sources that it's pagan and it's based on pagan holidays and it's pagan, blah, 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 and Jesus wasn't really born December 25th, blah, blah. Who cares? I don't know what day for sure that he was born on. Some can make, uh, can, you know, some think that they've got evidence that points that it was early springtime and fine, maybe it was. And, but then again, there's good evidence that it was literally December 25th, right? And then you hear stuff and say, well, it was just to replace a pagan holiday. I challenge you to find a pagan holiday on December 25th. You won't. You'll find one close. I think it's miraculous that there's not one on December 25th because if you go through all the different cultures, through all the different times and all the pagan holidays, there's one on every, practically every day in the 365 days, days in the year, 366 in the leap year. There's a pagan holiday there. My goodness, every day of the week is named after a pagan god, right? And it, to me, it's more miraculous and more amazing that nobody can find one that's literally on December 25th. December 23rd is the closest they can get. Huh, ain't that something? But anyways, we, buy, we listen to that stuff. And we buy into it and we let it... Ruin what it is that we're celebrating. And whether it's December 25th or March 15th or whatever. The point is, we've set aside this day. And the whole world recognizes it. They don't want to admit it, but they recognize it. To worship. To celebrate. The greatest event in all of history. Please, don't get, that's what we're doing. That's what today's all about. That's what tomorrow's all about. I mean, don't let the world and the nonsense and all that stuff ruin it for you or distract it from you or keep you, here's ultimately what's happening, keeping you from giving God the praise and the glory that he alone is due. So, here we are, this time of year, celebrating the greatest event in all of history. And I am telling you, many are confused about who really was that babe that was born in a manger so long ago. 
right? The, the world is real, they're really confused about who he really actually is, right? We talked, that again goes back to Sunday school. We talked about that some in Sunday school. People are confused and, and they, make up a, they make up their own God and their own Jesus and their own image or, or as I, you know, so nicely put it this morning in their hippie version of Jesus or whatever. It's not accurate. It's not biblical. It's another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit, just as Paul spoke about in 2 Corinthians 11. People are confused. The world is certainly confused concerning his person, who he is. Why are they confused? Well, I think 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 actually tells us that, right? It says, it says there, in whom the God of this world. Now understand, when it's talking about God of this world, it's a little g, it's talking about Satan, right? Satan has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The world is blinded. They're blinded to the glorious gospel of Christ. They're blinded to who he actually is, right? The glorious gospel of Christ, which pictures the incarnation, right? What do I mean by the incarnation? The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, religions try to change him. Uh, the world tries to ignore him. Atheists try to do away with him. Uh, I love what uh, Lockridge said. He said you can't get him, meaning Jesus, you can't get Jesus out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him. And you sure can't live without him. So, what does the Bible say about him? Well, first of all, the Bible declares that he is God, capital G, God, right? He's, he's not an angel. Uh, there's many that get confused there, try to make him an angel, try to make him the brother of Michael. He's not a son of the gods, right? Try to put him on the same level as uh, the Greek uh, mythical characters like Hercules and things like that, right? He, 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 a demigod, in, uh, in other words. That's not it. He, he, I said he's not a son of the gods, but he is the only begotten son of God. He is almighty Jehovah God, right? I love what it says in John chapter 1, the very first verse. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Uh, John 10.30 says that uh, I, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. Uh, go a little further to chapter 14 and verse 9, and Jesus says, uh, He that has seen me has seen the Father. The Bible declares that Jesus is God. The Bible also declares that he is eternal, right? He, he, he did not begin in the womb of Mary uh, as he created both Mary and the womb that bore him, right? He did not begin at the creation as for he was not created, right? He was the creator. He always was and always 
will be. That's why it says in Psalms 90 verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, thou hadst formed the earth in the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Uh, uh, Micah 5.2 says, But thou Bethlehem uh, Ephathra, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, or have been from of old, from everlasting. In Revelation chapter 1, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Think about it, eternal. I'll tell you what else the Bible tells us about him, about Jesus. It declares that he is unchanging, right? He does not change. He, we've been talking about who he is, his person, right? His personhood. He does not change in his person, right? He does not change in what he does, right? He does not change in his purpose and purposes. He does not change in his promises, right? That's why we like to talk about it. You can stand on him. He is and forever will be the same, for he is uh, he's immutable, right? He does not change. He is the immutable God. That's why it says in Hebrews, 13 8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever that's why it says in Psalms 102 right but thou art the same and thy years shall have no end Malachi 3 6 says for I am the Lord I change not so he's unchanging he's eternal he's God the Bible also declares this is one the world has a lot of trouble with he is the only Savior. He is not a Savior. He is not a way. He is the Savior and the only way to heaven. There is not many paths. There is no other way. There is only one way, and that is Jesus. That's why uh, Peter and John and them uh, told the Pharisees and all of them that one day in, what is that, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, where he said, uh, where they said, um, there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Right? That is the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. There is no other way. It even says in Isaiah 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Right? We, we, like to, we like to think today that there's many paths. We like to think that there's many ways to heaven. Right? We like to think that everybody just do as good as they can and not hurt nobody, not bother nobody. You know, you just stay in your lane. Don't, don't turn over anybody else's apple cart. Right? And, and, and as long as they try to be good, right? We even like to think of it this way in our mind, whether we say it or not, is if our good outweighs our bad, right? Then, then God will let us into heaven. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. You know what that would be? That's self-righteousness. That's what the, the, God declares to us through the prophet Isaiah, that our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. It ain't no good, and it won't get you there. It's only the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. There is no other path. There is only one, and it is narrow, and it is straight. 
the wide, easy Broadway heads other direction. And many there will be that find it. And their end will be destruction eternally. The Bible also declares that he is sovereign. He is the sovereign Lord. In other words, he does as he wills. And he asks counsel of no man. He don't need my permission or your permission or anyone's permission. He knows the end from the beginning. Therefore, he needs no advice and no guidance. His purposes and his promises are always fulfilled because he is the sovereign Lord. And, and we have trouble with that sometimes. And we have trouble sometimes balancing, uh, you know, our, our free will that God's granted us and, and the sovereignty of God. And, and we have trouble thinking about those things sometimes. I, and I, I get that. I understand that. Look, some of it's a mystery. Some of it's beyond what at least my old hillbilly mind can wrap around, right? But or to grasp. But listen to me. He is sovereign and we go through things and sometimes we go through things and we don't we don't understand and we can we think how in the world right why why i've loved god so much and tried to serve him why does he let me go through this why does he let things happen like this or we'll see things happen to the innocent right and we'll say why why does God let that happen? Why does God let that happen to uh, to to you know babies and things like that? Listen to me. We don't understand all of his ways. His ways are above our ways. And I can give you the simple answer that sin is the reason. And not necessarily personal sin, but just sin in general entering into the world. Right? Be, with it come death, decay, and destruction. Everything was perfect before then. Right? The world that you speak of and that you long for that makes you ask the questions, why is a perfect world? And there was a perfect world, but man messed that up. Right? Sin entered in. The fall with it. The curse with it. The consequences of that. But I got good news for you, right? That Jesus is coming back. Glory to God. And, and when he does, right? The Bible explains a few things that's going to take place, but the end of it is going to be this is the earth is going to is going to dissolve in, in a fiery heat, right? Melt and, and, and fire be destroyed by fire, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, the, that perfect paradise, Garden of Eden, right? That is restored. And things are back as God intended for it to be. But between now and then, we just got to trust that He's in control. And that even though things may not be always fair or right in our eyes here, that he's the ultimate judge. And ultimately justice will be done. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I'll tell you something else the Bible tells us. The Bible declares that Jesus is one of a kind. What I mean by one of the kinds, I mean unique. He's the one and only. That's why it says the only begotten son in John 3.16. 
There has never been a God before him. There is no other gods. And there will never be a God after him. He is self-existing. He is eternal. I know you're sitting there and you might be thinking about God the Father. Listen to me. The Trinity is one of the mysteries. Don't, don't ask me to explain it to where you can understand it. Because if, if I could do that, then I'd understand it. It's beyond what my mind can wrap around, right? I get a little bit of a, of a, of a rudimentary, uh, you know, a, a, a primitive, whatever you want to say, a, an elementary uh, grasp on it, kind of, sort of, but I really don't get it either. That's all right. I don't have to. Isaiah 45, 5 says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God besides me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord. And there is none else. You go on a little further to the 18th verse, and he says, For uh, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. And then he says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. And let me leave you with one last thing here. The Bible declares that he is everything that we need. Now you think about that for a minute. He is everything. Jesus is everything that we need. It tells us in John 15 that for without him we can do nothing. And Philippians 4.13 tells us that with him we can do all things. I mean, think about that for just a minute. Put the two scriptures together. Think about that for a minute. Without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. Let me put it this way, and I'll close. Diana read the scripture reading this morning that uh, I picked for her was Isaiah 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. Think about verse 6 for just a minute. For unto us a child is born. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're celebrating this morning, tonight, hopefully with your families or whatever it is that you do in your gatherings that you recognize and acknowledge uh, what it is that we're celebrating and the reason that we're gathering together. And it is so good to get together with family and, and to enjoy that time together. And I'm not taking anything away from that. It's not my intention whatsoever. But let's just remember why it is that we have what we have and why it is that we're gathering and why it is that we should be happy what it is that we celebrate. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. You know, I don't know if you remember this, Tina, or not, but I'll never forget it. We were at Kabul General Baptist Church for a quarterly meeting, and Joe Gaddy preached on this verse right here, and that has stuck in my mind for, what has that been, 15 years ago? I'll never forget the, the, that sermon. You know, people would, I heard different people say about Joe that he wasn't no hotshot preacher or anything like that. I mean, if you're looking for somebody to entertain you, Joe wasn't the one. 
But man, what he had to say that night. He was preaching about Christ. It was probably the December quarterly meeting. I don't remember, but we had a monthly then. They weren't really quarterly. They were monthly meetings. Huh? But anyways, right here, he went through this, the names that are listed here. And it says, his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, their Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You understand that he is the reason for our praise. That's why his name is wonderful. You do recognize that he is the remedy for our problems. I don't know what your problems are. And honestly, even if you come and told me, your problem would have to be pretty small for me to be able to fix it for you, just to be honest with you. So the truth is, probably whatever your problem is, you can't fix it, I can't fix it either. But there is a solution for it. And his name is Jesus. He is the remedy for our problems. That's why his name is Counselor. He is... Now listen, here's where, Christian, here's where the reason we fall on our face so many times. We try to do things. We try to take care of things. We try to serve God. We try to operate in our own power. But the truth is, He, Jesus, He is the source of our power. That's why His name is the mighty God. church. Why? What is the reason for our joy? I'll tell you. He's the author of our salvation. That's why his name is the everlasting father. And Bible never promises that once you get saved that there won't be troubles and there won't be problems. You will not find that promise in Scripture anywhere. Nowhere does it say all you do is get saved and nothing will ever bother you again. You'll never go through hard times. You'll never experience loss. You'll never, you know, get sick. Or If somebody tells you that, they're preaching another gospel about another Jesus. And they're talking about another spirit when they talk about the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't promise any of that. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. In other words, if I, if I had to go through things, you're going to have to go through things too. The Bible, Bible tells us there'll be troubles, there'll be trials, there'll be temptations, there'll be things that we'll go through. But the Bible also promised us joy that's unspeakable and peace. That's what I want to talk about. Peace that passes all understanding. I always come back to Paul and Silas when they're in prison. For some reason I'm drawing a blank on what town that was at that they were in prison. But anyways, 
they're in prison and been beaten and put in the innermost shackles. Philippi, they're in prison in Philippi. It has been because they were preaching the gospel. They're beaten. They've not been treated good. Prison ain't nothing like prison is here today. It's more like a dungeon, right? Yeah, I've tried to explain this to you before. When he's beaten, when Paul, for instance, he talks about all the lashes he's had at different times. They, they, it's cruel torture, and I'll guarantee you his back is laid open. And put him in the innermost part of the prison, right? That's the worst part, the dungiest, nastiest, darkest part. Put his feet in stocks. And the Bible says at the midnight hour, they're experiencing this peace and joy that I'm trying to talk about. Well, they weren't happy because they had been beaten and thrown into prison, and for all that they knew, they're going to be executed the next day. The circumstances of their life, right? How is that for you'll never go through anything, you'll never experience anything, you'll never have any trials or troubles? Come on now, you don't really think that your faith is more than the Apostle Paul's, do you? I bet we couldn't even stand up in silence. I can't, maybe you can, but... but it wasn't happening because of a lack of faith. It wasn't, and in, in, in their joy, you know, they're singing psalms, right? They're, there's joy, right? They're, I mean, you see true, genuine joy and a peace about things there. They didn't know what God was getting ready to do, right? We know that he shook the ground and the doors of the prison opened up and the you know, shackles come off and, and, the, and the jailer and, and all of his family got saved and baptized, right? They didn't know that was getting ready to happen. As far as they knew, they were getting ready to be executed the next day. And yet they've got a peace about it and they're experiencing joy. You know why? Because that peace doesn't come from the circumstances of their life. Their peace is not a result of everything going on in their life and around them being hunky-dory and all of their family being healthy and saved and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and doing whatever it is they think that they ought to be doing or not doing. Or... That wasn't the source. Jesus is the source. He is the wellspring of our, of our peace. That's why his name is the Prince of Peace. So I just want to leave you this morning with just a few thoughts of who Jesus is. why we're celebrating what it is that we have to be excited about and so as Jennifer plays a song of invitation I don't want to end the service without giving you an opportunity I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and if the spirit of God is dealing with you this morning if you've got a need if you've got a burden if that peace I've been talking about it's eluded you You've not been experiencing it. Maybe that's... Maybe you ain't been looking to the right places for your happiness and for your peace, for your joy. Maybe you've not been turning to the right place. 
Maybe God's been dealing with your heart this morning and you're not where you ought to be, not living like you ought to. Maybe once, maybe at one time you were close to God and you were serving Him, but you've drifted away. Or maybe you've never known Him. I'm begging you. Here's a perfect opportunity. Listen to me. If you'll come and receive the gift of salvation, it will be the greatest gift that you have ever received. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, I'm begging you this morning, would you come? Don't leave here. Don't leave here without knowing that everything is, things are well with your soul, that everything is right between you and the Lord. Whatever it is this morning, would you come?